So, this is me. I'm a podcaster. And I just like podcasting so much. So much that I'm doing Ratatouille, and I'm doing a parody of it as we speak, and it's going really poorly. That's right, Ratatouille is in the basket. Raiders Bagel Basket. So what is that? What is new? You? What do I tell them? Well, what did you tell them? I told them I would ask. What are you blathering about? Customers are asking what is new. What should I tell them? What did you tell them? I told them I would ask. This is simple. Just pull out an old gusto recipe, something we haven't made in a while, and... They know about the old stuff. They like linguine soup. They are asking for food from linguine? Tear me apart, Lisa! Oh, dang. I'm so excited! I'm so... Would you mind putting that gun away? My wife doesn't care, but I'm a very timid fellow. You idiot. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland, and we continue Snubs and Shrugs. We went from Jerry Maguire, which was a shrug, and we go into our first snub, which is Ratatouille, and we are joined by one of our favies, Mr. Christopher Brown. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> you picked this. I did. You, you, yeah, so you gave me a list of movies that like most of them were like nominated for awards. I went with this one because this was the one that was unjustly they they basically gave it the Oscar for best animated feature, but this is like a movie that I believe should have been nominated for best picture. It should have been probably probably best director. Yeah, and this is why I feel that, like, voice acting, there should be a category at the Oscars for voice acting. Yeah, uh, agreed 100%. Yeah, Patton Oswalt, like, just knocked it out of the park. I was thinking of um, uh, Peter O'Toole and Ian Holm. Them, too. And, uh, and to be Garofalo. honest, Brian Dennehy as well. And Garofalo. Yeah, I mean, basically everyone except for poor uh, Alfredo Linguini. Yeah, is, what's uh, his He's name? just like Lou a stock Romano? Pixar guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they were originally going to go with Ray Romano in that role. As Luigi? Yeah. Or uh, well, Alfredo? Alfredo. I mean... Linguini. Alfredo Linguini, yeah. And I, I combined it into, like, Luigi or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, can you imagine, like, Patton Oswalt acting off of Ray Romano? Uh, uh, hey, little chef. <laughs> uh, oregano, that's a spice, right, Deborah? <laughs> Jabra. Yeah, I mean, they probably would have had to have given a. Yeah, well, I was going to say they would probably would have had to have given um Will Arnett the boot and put Brad Garrett in that role specifically just to have them working together. <laughs> Hello, Raymond. I mean, Linguini. <laughs> I mean, Brad Garrett's fantastic in this, also. I mean, I, everyone is. Well, I. Uh, I, I'm not a big Peter Schoen fan, the director of The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a meal, right? He was a meal. Yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I thought he was fine, because you basically, for a meal, you just needed kind of like a, like a, a big, dumb, friendly guy, and I think he kind of filled that role nicely. 
my my favorite character has to be James Ramar as LaRousse. Yeah, that's a pretty good casting call too. <laughs> this is your your second James Ramar role movie. Phantom. The Phantom, that's right, that's right. Yeah, he was the uh, the villain in that. Yeah, I love how his character is like never played cards with LaRue. He's been kicked out of Las Vegas and Monte Carlo. What about Atlantic City? Nothing about Atlantic City. Well, outside of what we like to call New Jersey, I don't think that people think of Atlantic City as like a real place. Well, uh, there's it's kind of there's, like JV you know, in terms of. The, uh, I mean, when I think of classic gambling spots, I don't think of Las Vegas or or the French Riviera. I think of Atlantic City and Fox Woods and Mohegan Sun. I think of the weird little casinos that dot the streets of uh, Reykjavik. There are these weird little hole-in-the-wall casinos where you can like do very limited gambling, <laughs> and it's it's like a really sad affair because it's like the only place where you can smoke indoors there too. I was thinking of that casino from Lost in America, the one where Julie Haggerty loses all of their money. Oh man, no, that got that got me thinking too about um, Vegas Vacation, and good lord, that movie just never should have happened. No, it shouldn't have. No, it should enough. Yeah. Do you want to give us the blockbuster rule on Ratatouille, a film that definitely should have happened? Yes. <laughs> a rat named Remy learns that he has an incredible palate and dreams of becoming a chef. Yeah, that's good. I uh, I went add, on add, add a little bit of add a little bit of uh, American tale in there for good measure, and yeah, you got your plot. <laughs> Five hole, Papa. Five hole. <laughs> Papa. So I went down a film theory like uh, Ratatouille rabbit hole for this movie okay. be- because like I there have you seen all of them? There's no. a ton of them. The one that makes the most sense. I doubt it. The one that makes the most sense, and I believe Brad Bird said is technically canon, is that the old woman whose house it is at the beginning that they destroy is mm-hmm. Anton Ego's mom. And that's how he knew oh, to make the ratatouille. That is brilliant. I never would have put that together, but that makes absolute sense. Yeah, because the the house is exactly the same. Uh, she's actually wearing that same gown that the mother is wearing in the flashback. And uh, if you notice in the spice or the recipe jar, uh, mm-hmm. the ratatouille is there. And it has that's like amazing. A- yeah, I. I had never noticed that, but that's, uh, yeah, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. The one that doesn't make sense that I absolutely love, and I kind of wish that it is headcanon, and if you like it, then, you know, on this podcast, we'll say it is, is that Gusteau was also a terrible cook, and Remy's mom was his little chef who lived in his head. That's why he never takes his, you know, chef cloche off. So did he take her to the grave? Yeah. Hmm. Like when yeah, he... I mean that's that's a troubling headcanon, but uh, you know I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> and then the other one is that Remy is the villain of the movie, um, and Skinner is actually you know the hero. How how do they uh, do they make that work? Because so this is from film theory. This is Matt Pat, and he proves that. Remy only serves himself. He constantly steals when he shouldn't be stealing. Uh, mm-hmm. 
he constantly gets uh, Linguini in trouble. Skinner, on the Mm -hmm. other hand, even though he doesn't like Linguini, still gives him a job, gives him a chance. When the restaurant starts to fail, he finds another way to keep the name alive and the brand live, even though it's through, you know, frozen foods. It's still commerce. He also respects his staff. I would I would tend to dis- disagree with that because first off he didn't hire Linguini, Linguini was hired behind his back, by James Ramar. Yeah, and was given a job as a dishwasher slash trash person. <laughs> also, <laughs> they, they they call right. him like a garbage person or something like that. Uh, what does Remy call him? Like he's like a monsoor. He like is a dish boy or something like that. Yeah. That that's the new boy yep. band, right? Dish Boys. Dish Boys. No, that sounds like uh it sounds like an Irish like s- sort of like um traditional band, but they have some electric guitars in there, so you know that they have they can have a good time. Oh, like the chorus? Yeah. Yeah, like the, the chorus. I was thinking I was thinking specifically the Water Boys, which is oh, okay. where the correlation was there. Okay, the Dish so, Boys, the Water Boys. the The tragic thing is, um, did you read about Gusto and how he's actually based on a real person? Chef Boyardee. <laughs> no, no. Um, it was uh, Bernard Wilson, and mm-hmm. he, basically he was in danger of having his restaurant downgraded, and in terms of like Michelin stars. And he killed himself in real life. I I wondered that about uh, um, what's his name about Gusteau. I'm like, did he kill himself? I no. I think they just said in this that he died of a broken heart. <laughs> he died of but. a broken heart when he drove his car off into the sand. <laughs> <laughs> he died doing what he loved, <laughs> driving his car into the farmers market. <laughs> His two passions, cooking and murdering people with his car. <laughs> I can just see him with like a like a DC powered like little hot plate on the passenger seat connected to the cigarette lighter with like Making some a boiling crap. water and pasta. <laughs> just as he's like plowing into people. <laughs> très bien, très bien. <laughs> This is one of those conversations. So I made the mistake of today looking at the ratings and reviews of Bagel Basket. This is going to be one of the anonymous one-star, two-star reviews this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Not to call anyone out, but like, if you don't like the podcast, that's fine. But I'd rather hear the mean comments than just one star. Yeah, I hate that when they just leave a star. It's like, come on. Give me something that I can laugh at, at least, if you're g- going to give me one star. Uh, I, 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 want, I want it to be, like, an evil compliment why they hate the show. Like, like uh, his voice is too sexy. I bet he's a stallion. <laughs> one star. <laughs> so, yeah, there are, there are a few places where I think that this certainly should have won. Uh, there are some categories where it was nominated. Um, and it didn't win. But the one that I'm going to fight hardest for is Best Original Score. Uh, this the, is Giacchino, right? 
Giacchino, yeah. And what I noticed about it on this listen is that for a lot of the actual score of it, it's acting as Foley as well. It's using like traditional element, musical elements that would be used in older cartoons as Foley. So, for example, you'll hear a xylophone as he's climbing up something in the score along to him climbing up. So oh, there's wow. a lot of that happening throughout. Yeah, and I never really noticed it until I was kind of like a little bit more laser focused on the movie last night than I normally am. Yeah, so going back to what I was saying about actors being nominated, Peter O'Toole was nominated this year for a movie called Venus, and it came out around the same time as Ratatouille, and it's very clear that he was nominated for Venus because of Ratatouille. Like, they're like, we're not going to nominate him for a kid's cartoon. We're going to nominate him for this movie where he plays an old alcoholic who's a sex addict and it's like oh okay (laughs) this makes more sense even though in 14 years time people won't be talking about venus but they will be talking about ratatouille yeah exactly yeah my um my biggest the biggest bone i have to pick with the 80th academy awards is the fact that juno was nominated for fucking everything and that movie is a piece of trash so that goes with what we were saying the other week about Jerry Maguire. If you look at the films that were nominated for Best Picture that year, all dramas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They needed something that was the biggest comedy of the year. So for for 96, we had Secrets and Lies. We had uh, Fargo. We had The English Patient. Uh, we had Shine and Jerry Maguire. I think there was another one that I'm forgetting. Is Jerry Maguire technically the comedy of those? Yes, Jerry Maguire was considered a comedy. Jesus. And then (laughs) this year, it was There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men, Michael Clayton, Atonement, and Juno. And if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly, my old boss from The Daily Show, Jon Stewart, kicked off the Oscars by going, Does this town need a hug? What? What? What happened? No country for old men. Sweeney Todd, there will be blood. All I can say is thank God for teen pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah, but when you look at at the top awards, like best picture, best director, best actress, uh, what else we got in there for it? The Um, one that that it didn't even get nominated for, Juno did not get nominated. Best screenplay. Well, that's what it won, best screenplay. It did, yes. But the the things that baffled me that they nominated Juno for and didn't nominate Juno for are just, like, so insane. I felt that if anyone was going to get nominated for that movie, it should have been J.K. Simmons. And years later, would I be right? Because he won for Whiplash. Like, all the people who should have been nominated, uh, Jennifer Gardner should have been nominated, like... I feel like all the nominations were the wrong nominations for that movie. That was like one of those movies where it was nominated for so many awards that it didn't deserve, but the ones that it should have been nominated for, they like missed entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But this one, like I only remember this being nominated for best animated feature. And that was the only reason why I let you pick this. So lie to me and tell me what else it was nominated for. Uh, It was nominated for sound editing sound mixing which are now the same category which is absolutely fucking stupid because they're two completely different things 
as well as best original score. So nothing like... Okay. Actually, you know what? I, I lied. It also was nominated for best original screenplay. Huh. Well, Which this this episode is over. You lied to me. This isn't a snub. No, uh, I didn't lie to you. This this got snubbed to hell. If if Juno won anything over this film, like the the Academy should all go home and eat their cats because that's what they deserve. They like well, they should go home and punish themselves somehow. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that you know the Academy screwed up because today, as we are recording this episode. The Hollywood Foreign Press for the Golden Globes just announced that they are not going to live air the the Golden Globes this year with all of their restrictions. And they're literally going to have like a PA or an intern just tweet out on the website and on the Twitter. Uh, yeah, so Andrew Garfield just won. Um <laughs> What is it with Andrew, Andrew Garfield just won an award for the for the Rent Boys film? Well, the craziest thing is that they're like, yeah, and no uh, um, press or journalists or critics are allowed to be at the Golden Globes this year. It's the Hollywood Foreign Press. Like, press is in the title of the it's Golden in the Globes. Name, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press wants to, you know, hit on all of the, like, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> there was one year when the president, she came out and she's like, oh, Bradley Cooper, call me. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, this so I, I think the the big reason that I, that I find this to be a snub is that I personally think that, well, this is my favorite Pixar f- film by quite a bit. And this was mine for the longest time. What, uh, what replaced it? Uh, I mean, it's still, it's tied for number one, but Luke is up there. Luke is pretty good. Um, I don't, I don't like it this much, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. And inside out. It's it's just, it's just. Oh wait, no, mm -hmm. not inside out. Uh, the other Pete doctor one up, up. That's yeah. Up. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I just get them all confused. What's the one about jazz? What's the one where the old man wants to kill himself? That's what <laughs> Up is about. He, You don't tie a bunch of balloons to your house thinking that you're going to live. Yeah, so you think that was his choice of yeah. death? Because... Did he have a car in that? No. I can't remember. No, he had a walker with a bunch... Okay, because I was going to say... Yeah, I knew he had the walker, but I was gonna say if he had the if he had a car, it would have been easier for him to just go out into the garage. But I guess he didn't have a car. <laughs> Jesus then, Christ! Yeah, the the balloon method might be easier. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. So just leaves a note on the front door. You filthy developers finally have what you want. <laughs> By the way, it was my birthday. <laughs> Is there a reason why why an up? <laughs> it was my and my Ellie's anniversary, you bastards. <laughs> Is there a reason why an up all of the the developers look like Agent Smith? Yeah, I think they're supposed to just be like faceless. Okay. I think the bigger question though is in the universe of Up, why does Carl look like he does? <laughs> Cuz no one else seems to. Well, they designed him to look like uh Spencer Tracy. Yeah, but Spencer Tracy as a cube, as opposed to like the rest of people who are shaped normally. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna give away like 
a little glimpse into our friendship. Today, I I sent you a photo of there is an artist who made Doug and Skeeter into kid and play movies. They did House Party and they did Class Act. You countered that with mm-hmm, making mm-hmm. Doug on top of Doug from Up, and now that thing will haunt my nightmares forever. <laughs> and just to be clear, you're referring to Doug Funny from the uh, eponymous cartoon Doug. <laughs> Dear Journal, Patty Mayonnaise. <laughs> Dear Journal, today Patty made me mayonnaise. Oh, God, why? Well, that was first time last time. <laughs> nice one, Funny. <laughs> now do the Cheerios be. <laughs> Here you go, Mr. Scrooge. I don't think I can. They're all... I can't, I can't pull that up on my mental Rolodex. I could do Roger Klotz all they're day long. They're all but... Billy West. Yeah, no, that's that's mm. fine that they're all Billy West, but I can't do every voice Billy West does. <laughs> Did I tell you that I met him and he told the story of why he left Doug? No. He's like, yeah, <laughs> when they went over the ABC, they were going to pay me less and they wanted me to do more voices. <laughs> Fair enough. I I would leave as well if I were him. That's a, you know, sympathy for him over here. Yeah, so he went to uh, Futurama instead. Hey, funny, you want to come hang out with Kidvid? (laughs) Oh, blithering poop. (laughs) Just in my my mind, Roger Klotz is friends with all of the members of the Burger King Kids Club. Even Wheels? Even Wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, back to Ratatouille. But yeah, so... When this movie came out, did you know that they, they did a comedy tour with Patton Oswalt and Janine Garofalo? No, but that's Yeah, awesome. it came to Boston, and I was going to go. What uh, happened? <laughs> uh, at the time, um, uh, I was going through a really bad breakup. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to laugh mm-hmm. anymore. I want to listen to the Joy Division. <laughs> this mm, this yeah. guy knows suffering. Uh Yeah. He sure yeah. did. And, but what I what I did instead is I saw Ratatouille six times in theaters. Huh. And after a, that's a lot. Of yeah, times. and I always went to like the ten o'clock show or the late night show because I I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go during the day. <laughs> yeah, be the solo like adult male there during like a family. Well, back when <laughs> I was a film critic, I I had to go to a press screening of Home, and. They didn't tell me that it was not just for the press. It was also parents and families, too. And I was one of the only press people. And I was sitting with Joy- Joyce Cole Haywick from uh, WC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know Joyce. Yeah, it was yeah. me and her. Uh, well, I don't know her personally. It was me great. and her and then, like, all of these parents and kids. And it looked like I went to the movies with my mom. Like, I was a 20-year-old man going to the movies with my mom to this press screening. Ma, there's this new movie coming out called Home. It looks pretty good. <laughs> I Do you love go Steve see Martin. So... Joyce Cole Haywick makes me laugh because uh, she's usually one of the judges of the 48-hour film project. So, yeah, so I know whenever I make, like, one of the weird short films that we make for that every year, I know, like, Joyce Cole Haywick (laughs) has to watch it, and that just makes me laugh inside. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, I told you she yelled at me when I went to the critic screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens, right? No. 
<laughs> yeah, she's like, who do you think you are? And I go, well, I'm not the person who gave thumbs up to Chicken Run and thumbs down to Magnolia. And she's like, is that a dig at me? I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> Why did she yell at because, you? Because uh, I, I guess I took her seat, but I didn't know it was her seat. Keep in mind, we were in a critic oh, okay. screening, so that means in a IMAX theater filled with chairs, the 15 critics of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I took her seat. And this is after you guys bonded at home, right? Um, No, I think home came out the following spring. And I said to her, I guess I'm in okay. the hot seat now with Leonard Malton. <laughs> that's the show that she did when she gave up Siskel and Ebert <laughs> she's like I'm, I'm gonna do Leonard Malton's show me Steven Weber and Leonard Malton <laughs> Steven Weber is a goddamn national yeah, treasure ho- that man is just he can do he it he hosted all. the show with them yeah so I just remember anytime I went to a criti- uh, screening of Ratatouille I made sure that I was you know at the latest showing possible. And then like two of the six times I went, I fell asleep. So like I had an usher like waking me up like, sir, the the movie is over. Was it the same usher? No. That would be incredible because he would probably start getting worried. Like, sir, you're going to have to get up again. Can I, can I give you money for lunch? Are you Okay. Sir, you're not going to pull a Carl Fredrickson, are you? <laughs> that movie's not going to come out for another two years. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go in the garage like a normal person. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to be Danny's sister oh for my God. <laughs> And I, I mean with my oh, parents as well. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with, with Ratatouille... The, the one thing that I noticed the most, so I saw this the year after my sophomore year, summer of my sophomore year, where I just had a French New Wave class. So like I'm like, oh, I know what they're doing here. I know what they're doing there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I'm like, uh, are they doing Pierre Le Fou in other French movies? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they are. Um I love reading about the production of this film and the pre-production and how basically Brad Bird and a few of the others just flew to Paris and just ate their way across like all of yeah, the best restaurants. Yeah, I watched in the that city. documentary that that behind the scenes thing. It's, but it's so, so good. this movie was originally Jan uh, Jan Pravana, uh was originally the director of this, mm-hmm. and like they, yep. you know, Pixar himself, John Lasseter, problematic human being, fired him. Because he didn't mm-hmm. like the vision. So I'm wondering, was his vision even more French New Wave? <laughs> uh, well, I know that the um, there were differences even in just like character design and things like that. So originally, apparently, like the rats were more anthropomorphic, which I think is mm. horrifying <laughs> if they're living in the same oh, world okay. as people. So there were a lot of differences like that. And apparently they did some um, some like key plot changes and things like that. So it was from from the sounds of it, it was it was a fairly different movie when he was on board. Oh, so it it 
didn't go full French New Wave where, you know, Remy tries to have his boss murdered so he can marry the boss's wife and he gets trapped in an elevator, like an elevator of the gallows, or he goes full Pierre LeFou. <laughs> Pants his face blue. Uh, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, no, that, that did not happen. Yeah. So, it, the... Um, I was oh, going to say, go do you know how Patton Oswalt even got involved in this? I assume that... Given what I know about Pat Oswalt, he probably tripped on something in an office where they were having a meeting about casting this, and he like fell over a comically large number of things in a Rube Goldberg-esque fashion before falling into the room. I wish. What it was is Brad Bird was listening to his album Feeling Kind of Patton and uh, heard his take on Black Angus. Have you heard the Black Angus bit? It's not, where no. he he basically he loves steakhouses, but he likes you know black Angus because they basically hate fuck you with food. Oh yes, I, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I haven't heard it, but I've heard people talk about the hate fucking you. With yeah, food because it, it's like uh, the old slogan used to be, "How about a steak? How about a baked potato? How about yeah?" And now they're like, "Here at Black Angus, we will you know ram seven potato bombs down your throat oh we'll just split those no you'll each get your own (laughs) so a a couple things i gotta say um one of the first lines in the movie is that the best food is in france which i wholeheartedly agree with i'm a low-key francophile in a lot of i'm I'm a low-key francophile low-key anglophile uh more overt Icelandic. basically as long as you're not from here i'm kind of into what you're doing (laughs) and uh, that definitely goes for food. Um, of all the places I've been to, France just has such good fucking food. For me, I think France, their food is good for like patisserie, bakery stuff. But like it, for main dishes, I'm it's too rich for me. Like I'm more of. Oh, that's it. You gotta you gotta get down with the brasserie. I like more Mediterranean style food. I also like a lot of Italian food. So like. Mm. You know, I like my heart. I don't want it to pop <laughs> like a zit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I don't live in France. <laughs> but I enjoy going there and, and eating Oh, you food. want some snails covered in butter? And then also that butter is covered in herb butter? Um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last time I went there, um, it was actually, it was for my friend's wedding, which was in Florence. So we spent a few days in Florence, and then we um, hopped over to Paris for the rest of the time we were over there. And yeah, I gotta say, like Italy just didn't really do much for me. It just felt like, like I don't know if it's just Florence or if it's just kind of how cities are in general in Italy, but it just felt like dirty old, not like kind of like mm. nice old, if that makes sense. It was cool driving through some of the places where they shot animals. <laughs> though. That was fun. But yeah, then we hopped over to France, and I've got a friend over there, so like he took us out to like a uh, quote unquote where the locals eat place, and yeah, it was just take it me was to so Brad Pitt's good. Vineyard. <laughs> Brad. Well, while we were there, while we were there, this uh, leads into Ratatouille as well. We uh, we went to Disneyland Paris. Oh, were you the only ones there? This was before they had the. <laughs> no, it was uh, it's bustling the. Uh, the early '90s joke is is very much okay. not the case anymore, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's oh, like a it's real not thing like now. Euro itchy and scratchy. The... Yes. My kids need one. Well, that's why they changed the name. It's no longer. 
that's why they changed the name. It's not Euro Disney anymore. It's yeah. Disneyland Paris for that reason. They've completely rebranded it and everything. But um, they had the Ratatouille ride open for a couple of years before it was open over here. And on this watch, I realized that first scene when Remy is being chased through the kitchen. I lost That's you. basically the ride. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but that's that's essentially like the ride itself. You're riding in like a little car shaped like a mouse and you're just covered with screens and whatnot. Um, as you go through and then like fires get lit above you and shit like that as you're under a stove and what have you. Wow, that sounds horrifying. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. But um, the great thing was they have a Ratatouille restaurant there. So we went there after the ride and everything and it's themed really well. So like the bottom of your seat looks like it's a a bottle cap, like the, the actual seat portion of your seat. And like everything looks like it's repurposed people stuff, just big size. Now, the best part where I'm going with all the chefs are rats. Danielle got angry. Well, Danielle got angry because no matter what you get there, they give you a small plate of ratatouille as like an appetizer. And as the chef brought it over, he put it down at our uh, at our like in front of us. And he's like, ratatouille, just like the movie. And he turned around and walked away. And as soon as he was out of earshot, Danielle's just like, this is not just like the fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) you know how in the movie it's like very artfully done in like a little Mm -hmm. spiral it was not presented that way it was presented much more messily and like like they have like a giant thing of it that they make every day and throw a scoop onto a plate and hand it to you so she was just like she got so angry by it that she has now perfected her own ratatouille recipe that she makes regularly (laughs) like the binge with babish version specifically just no, it was prior to that, prior to us, like, discovering Babish. It was, like, after we got back from that trip, she got so angry, she just started, like, actually trying to recreate it from the movie how by many, herself. And she actually... How many mandolins did she go through? The same as the movie would have. Uh, um, just the one, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that, that was great that it was it pissed her off that much that it did not resemble the Ratatouille from the movie that she had to make her own. So, this is, like, my second favorite movie about food. Um, I mean, Big Night's up there. Big Night's number three. This is two. Big Night's Chef great. is my favorite movie about food. I like this more I, than Chef. Chef, I think, is a good movie. I think that Chef is held a little higher for some people than it fir- probably should be. I mean, I, I'm not saying you don't like it <laughs> in that your opinion. Yes, you valid. are. That's um, what you wrote in the chat. I think, it's a little, I think it's a little overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Um... <laughs> yeah i mean well so i feel with chef that the first 20 minutes of chef uh (laughs) my opinion sucks thank you chris (laughs) (laughs) um the first 20 minutes of chef for me is like really hard to get through but then like after after he has Mm -hmm. his breakdown i'm like oh this is great like like when he has his food gasm um and and he's got get oh, shit. Where was I going with this? When he gets fired, and he's having his food gasm, and then he gets his food truck. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is great. But in like the first twenty minutes, I'm like, I have to like scroll past it now. But I still, yeah. It, it's just I'm a sucker for father son stories. Yeah, it's the only problem I have with it. Um, well, I, I think it's a good movie. I just don't think it's like that great a movie, if that makes sense. But um, one of the big problems I have with it is it's one of those projects where Favreau ends up in a romantic relationship with someone he would never 
realistically end up in a romantic two, relationship two with. See also. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot that Oscar Joe was in there. Um, yeah, because um, I was only thinking of um, Sofia Vergara. But yeah, it, like that and like the Marvel movies where he is with Aunt May and like. It's oh, just, what, what was that movie? Don't do it. What buddy. was that movie he did with Famke Jensen where we're to believe that he's like this sexual dynamo? <laughs> I think it's called like uh, uh, Love and Sex. Jesus, I would never want to see a movie called that with John Favreau in it. <laughs> but yeah, like, I understand what you're saying, but the food looks so good in that movie. And I make the pasta agiolio all the time from that. Yeah. Where, uh, but yeah, no, the, the, I thought that the food looked incredible too, in terms of the animation. I, so in this movie, the food looks incredible. And, but there are certain things that, like, with with chef i know exactly what the cubano is i know what's in it there are certain things where i'm like okay what's this like veal liver or veal stomach thing that he's making i have no idea what's in it sweet bread a la gusto sweet bread poutine seaweed salt crust with cuttlefish tentacle dog rose puree gooey duck egg dried white fungus and chili licorice sauce I don't know this recipe, but it's gusto, so... Lalo! We have some veal stomachs! Oh, well, uh, let me tell you, because I Googled God, it yesterday. God, no, please. It's my own damn fault for asking. Yeah, pulling it up right now. No, I was curious about it. Uh, so, it was... Sweetbreads a la gusto. Sweetbreads is like... That's yeah, that's like about, right? brains, right? No, sweetbreads are like... um. They're not brains. It's it's in particular. It's like um, I think it's digestive organs. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but it's it's more like abdomen organs. Oh, it's not brains. Yummy. Oh, pancreas, thymus gland, or mm, pancreas. Yum yum. Well, they're apparently very good. I've never had it. Gross, but but they they don't like because we can't get into Remy's mind when he's with the humans. We don't know what he's thinking. That's my that's my only problem with the movie is like I want to know as someone who cooks and bakes I like knowing what people are thinking when they're cooking. Oh, also Fair the enough. fact that Chef Skinner I mean, is is our surrogate Guy Thierry. Well, so I took him to be more of a Trader Joe. Uh, with all of the questionable branding they had for the various frozen gusto meals, that reminded me of like when Trader Joe had like Trader Jose's as of like last year, I, <laughs> and all of those different things. Or I was Newman's thinking Zone Newman's Own. I was thinking Newman's thing. Own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was what I what I took away from that is this is this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, in addition to the food, I think looking like really good in terms of the animation, this is going to sound like very specific but i noticed that gusto's jowls looked amazing a lot of the stuff so to to get linguini looking right or skinner looking right when they they get soaking wet they had they had like mm-hmm. a poor production intern wear the clothes that they're wearing in the scene and then they threw them into the scent mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, the same for the scene when um, when Gwini gets back at his apartment with Remy for the first time and he carries the bike in. He's struggling to get inside. That was another one that they had to recreate in live action in order to see. Like, but they what did it would that with actually like. Lou Romano, who plays Linguini. He actually did that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. People are shocked that Janine Garofalo is the voice of Colette. Like, if this movie was made today, it would be like Leah Sado or some French actress who we all know now. You do know exactly who you are dealing with. How many women do you see in this kitchen? Well, I... <laughs> Only me. Uh, Why do you think that is? Well, I... Because hot uh, cuisine is an antiquated hierarchy built upon rules written by stupid old men. Rules designed to make it impossible for women to enter this world. But still I'm here. How did this happen? <laughs> because, well, because you... Uh, <laughs> because I'm the toughest cook in this kitchen. I have worked too hard for too long to get here, and I am not going to jeopardize it for some garbage boy who got lucky. Got it? It would actually, yeah, they would actually have like French people involved. It wouldn't all be Which Americans. I, I kind of fun, find it hysterical that everyone, I understand why the rats don't have French accents, but but with mm-hmm. Linguini, they don't even try. So I looked that up. I was curious about that. Like we were talking about it, and Danielle was like, well, maybe he had a mother who was American or he lived in America for a while. And that wasn't good enough for me. So I, I started doing some researching into it. And apparently, that's a very common thing with, in particular, like Disney and Pixar movies that take place in other countries. All the other car- uh, characters will have accents, but the main character will not, just so it's a little bit easier for the the audience, and in particular, children. To I don't like that. Give me them. Gerard Depardieu. God, could you imagine? Uh, I. He's like on like his sixth bottle of wine well, during the day to to play a teenager they, or like they young did, adult. They did approach Gerard Depardieu to play Gusto. That would have been he, cool. He was that like, worked. "No, I am bogus star Gerard Depardieu." Yeah. Let's see. I want to find the number. Oh, it's fourteen bottles of wine he drinks. Oh a day. God, how is he not dead? Uh I don't know, and that was eight years ago now, so or seven seven and a half years ago now, so he might have upped it don't by now. Like that, that's not good. Oh, Gerard Depardieu. That's a, that's a lot of wine. It's just so there was one scene I wanted to okay. discuss with you. I, oh, go ahead. Let's if you want to keep talking Depardieu, I will talk well, about Depardieu all goddamn day. <laughs> it, it was because the fact that Brad Garrett is incredible in this movie. Like, yeah, he's very good, and. I guess the original idea for Gusto before they went with the sad uh, real life chef, they were gonna have like a Julia Child type of, you know, French chef, and the mm-hmm. person that they approached, which I find so ironic, because this was before Julia and Julia, they actually went to Streep. Yeah. Oh wow! And then she ended up playing Julia Child. Huh. Yeah. God damn, Streep. Uh, Streep is one of those good actors. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty good. <laughs> she looks like someone who's been nominated a few times. Yeah, she's better than Gerard Depardieu. I still, to this day, when I first saw the character design of Skinner, I thought that the voice behind it was not who they ended up going with. They, it's Ian Holm, but like, I guess they approached John Cleese. Because of, uh, of mm. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but when I look at the character design, know who comes to mind? Know who I thought did the voice? 
I thought it was Tucci. Like, interesting. That I mean, and that would have made sense too, Big just Knight. because of his work in um, yeah. Big Night. Yeah. But then, like, when you hear Ian Holm, it doesn't even sound like Ian Holm. Very well. If it's linguine they want, tell them Chef Linguini has prepared something special for them. Something definitely off menu. Hmm? Oh, and don't forget to stress its linguininess. We shall. Now is your chance to try something worthy of your talent, Linguini. Uh, a forgotten favorite of. No, it doesn't. He's he does so a great good. job. He won the Annie. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. Would you consider Diner to be a food restaurant, a uh, food movie? Uh, that's a difficult one. That's more of an ambiance movie where. That's what I was thinking because they don't really the focus. Food. The food isn't really shown like they're eating and what have you throughout. But it's the, the same thing, four meals. It's like pancakes, it's eggs. It's like, you know, a sandwich hair. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not like they're showing like Mickey Rourke going out back being like, hey, I'm a fucking asshole. Hey, let me show you how to make a Reuben. <laughs> God, that would be a, such a great deleted scene. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a yeah. that's a great movie. But with, have you read uh, Buscemi's uh, autobiography? No, did he audition for Diner? Oh, sorry, oh, Gut- sorry, Gutenberg. I didn't know he had one. Yeah, it's called the Gutenberg Bible. It's very good. <laughs> oh God, I'm just shaking my head the gutenberg bible so they, they missed out <laughs> there's uh there's one scene i want oh, to... i was gonna say they missed out with calling it the gutenberg printing press well the gutenberg bible is a thing yeah, as well but um there's one scene i wanted to discuss mm. with you and it's the scene in which um remy is our linguini and remy are first tasked with recreating the soup that they made on the yeah. first night so the first bit I wanted to discuss, the first of two bits I wanted to discuss, is when Linguini is trying to decide what to do with Remy, like where to hide him. So he's like looking all over his person. And at one point, like he just opens up his, the front of his pants and looks down. And the look that Remy gives him is sublime. <laughs> he just turns up and looks at him and his eyes just like widen just slightly. So it's not like played for like ridiculous humor. It's so subtle, so understated, and it's it's brilliant animating. <laughs> well, if he realizes that he can control him by like using his hair, how would he realize that he could control him the other way? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Little chef. I need help fucking. <laughs> oh, did, I forgot to send you. I was going to send you last year when John Krasinski hosted SNL. There is a scene. Uh, there is a sketch where they, you find out that he has a ratatouille who, who helps him have sex. And it's played by <laughs> Kyle Mooney. Oh, that's very good. I've probably seen it because I've been keeping up with SNL pretty regularly for the last like, couple of years, but it's not ringing a bell. Uh, so the, the other bit in the scene... Uh, and I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Skinner makes a joke about fucking food. <laughs> no, I missed that. What does he say? It's like so Jason it's Biggs when, in that movie the with wh- the pie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the scene when Linguini and Remy are in the walk-in mm-hmm. cooler. And it's when... um. Skinner sees the rat, sees Remy, and then like the light goes out quickly, and then Remy disappears. 
So he's like starting to get paranoid and everything as it is. And then Linguini's just like, oh, uh, I'm just familiarizing myself with the vegetables. And then he turns around with the, turns around and says to him, oh, one can get too familiar with vegetables, you know? <laughs> and then he leaves. And there is no other way to take that other than sexually. <laughs> okay, so I have a story for you. When when I was a short order cook, <laughs> when I was a short order cook, uh, I literally walked in on two waiters having sex in the walk-in freezer, <laughs> and I like had to be the narc who had to to basically call in the owner and be like, "Hey, guess what? <laughs> You're not guessing." <laughs> Interesting. So now. <laughs> Did you narc on them because um, of the sa- like the yeah. food safety potential? Well, issues? the health inspector okay. was there that day. I mean, oh, God. like of all the days to pay. Yeah, f- fuck those two. That's no, that's that's absolutely not acceptable under any circumstances. But that's like double unacceptable. That's horrible. I'm supposed to be making a French dip right now. I don't need this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Skin- skinner i guess was uh i guess i'm technically skinner because those people were a little too familiar with the vegetables <laughs> yeah i've i when i worked at bob's stores the clothing store a couple of my coworkers used to fuck up in the the storage area but yeah i can't remember any like there were no good ones like that like that's that's what to, to be tell the gross kids someday. but like it's a freezer why would you do that in a cold area i feel like that is just begging for some steven tyler turn of phrase so, sort of like 11 in an elevator 11 and up when you're going down <laughs> heating it up when it's getting <laughs> cold loving the walk-in freezer <laughs> all i could think of is a christmas story never mind how it happened doc can you just fix it (laughs) oh no the pole is stuck to the pole someone get some hot water not hot water not hot water okay warm water (laughs) (laughs) oh man all my produce is gone yeah so the food better gone than here the food in this movie that i want to eat the most and like Haley and I have talked about this in Aladdin, the food that looks the most delicious to us is the bread. In this movie, I want that bread that Garofalo is like. That bread sounds. How incredible. did they do the foley work on that? They had to have had just like several pieces of fresh baked bread and just did it. That's that's bread. I just that's picture what that them being going up to Brad Bird and being like, "Okay, we have four different loaves and five different baguettes." He's like, "This isn't a baguette. This is a French sourdough. Bring me a French sourdough." And they're like, "Okay, <laughs> it's going to be a couple hours because we got to get on the airplane." Yeah, um, because I I bake bread on occasion. Actually, that reminds me, I should bake bread soon. Um, I do it on occasion and. When it comes out good, it does make that sound. Yeah, I've been cooking like crazy. Um, I love cooking. Haley got me for for Christmas. She got me a pasta maker, so I've been making fresh pasta. Oh, nice! And now oh, nothing damn. is ever the same. Like I look at the the store bought pasta, like the box pasta. I'm like, you're not the same. Get the fuck out of my sight. I didn't spend time with you on the counter getting it messy with flour and eggs. Get out of here. Well, my OCD is so bad that I can't do it on the 
counter. I can't make it on the counter. I have to make it in a bowl first before I need it. <laughs> that's how bad my OCD is. Mm. I mean, that's not a bad idea. It's yeah. cleaning sucks. Cleaning after food, like food prep, sucks. So, I mean, I I would probably do something similar. Yeah. So, I after watching this movie, like I've been plotting what I'm gonna make for the next like three days. I'm like, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna make this. Tomorrow I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna put a rat in my head, and then I'm gonna go to the hospital because I'm probably gonna get the plague. <laughs> yeah, and we're probably gonna be snowed in. Yeah. Too, so the fun. one thing that we've been ignoring. The big elephant in the room, as we're an hour into this podcast, is uh, they're fucking rats. They're not fucking rats. I mean, these are rats. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there is no way at all that, like, if you know your French history correctly, rats are the reason, you know, that we got so many diseases. The plague actually came from fleas, but rats are, you know, the harbingers or the the messengers of death so i don't care how many times those rats go through the steam cleaner it's not enough (laughs) and he doesn't even use soap when he like goes to the sink he just puts like a droplet and oh yeah no he drops some water on yeah that's it although to be fair to remy he specifically doesn't run on all fours but there are six scenes where he's literally running on all fours yeah, that's usually trying to escape something, not like on his way to go cook. <laughs> well, with the chef Skinner trapping him in a Skinner box, you, did you see that little fun fact? Yeah. I, yeah. Yep. If you don't yeah. know your psychology, but in psychology... Uh, it, if you're familiar BF with B.F. Skinner, Skinner, or as we like to call him, best friend <laughs> Skinner. <laughs> he would torture rats. <laughs> I went the clean route. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he would torture rats by training them in a box and, you know, using food like a monster. B.F. Skinner, he was, uh, he was baby Albert as well, I believe right? so. Yeah, so just a, just a fucking stand-up <laughs> guy. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, the way they, they show, like, combinations of food is, like, amazing. The other thing that I always wanted to eat is those, uh, scallops. The poached scallops. Oh, yeah. Looks so good. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that looked amazing. I, I still don't know what that soup is, but it looks almost like a uh, a vichyssoise or some sort of... Vichyssoises. Yeah. So good. I made some over the summer, and the tragic thing about it was that I tried it when it was hot, like after everything like came together, and it was amazing. And then letting it cool down like it actually lost something like it was yeah just you need to hot. eat it scalding hot burn your esophagus i mean i'm okay with that i've got another <laughs> one right <laughs> the reverse esophagus i believe that's called your butt chris <laughs> yeah it'll come out of there after it's done in the esophagus it's fine <laughs> yeah so like with the one person we haven't talked about is Ratzenberger. Yeah, pally boy. Mm. Yeah. Hey. It's me, Cliff Clavin. Yeah, the uh, Pixar good luck charm. Where, but he hasn't been in the last two Pixar movies. No. He hasn't. I mean, with Soul, that... Have you seen that he has long no. hair now? 
Hey, Sammy boy, I, I got long hair now. <laughs> I I told you I told you about that uh, lost season finale of Cheers, right? Where uh, Sam was supposed to get an AIDS scare, and they're like, oh, "We don't God. know how to make this funny," no. and the the studio noticed, "Oh, just that clip." Yeah, <laughs> little fun fact. Nah, I'm not gonna go there. God, maybe that came to me in a fever dream because I can't find any pictures of him with long <laughs> hair. But that would be incredible. You're just did. dreaming about John Ratzenberger. Yeah, you know I played the French yeah, waiter in Ratatouille. Choices. I'm Ham the piggy bank, P.T. Flea. Yeah. Me and Went, uh, we were on an episode of Cheers. You know, the joke was that we never left the airport oh, bar. Oh, Fraser. Oh, Wings, Wings. No, Wings. Wings. You said Cheers. You said we were on an episode of Cheers. I'm oh, like, yeah. Damn. I blew it. I blew it. Yeah, here we are in Nantucket. No one knows why. That's that's my <laughs> Ratzenberger impression. So when... Uh, Pretty funny, Ratzenberger. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Klotz is friends with Ratzenberger, too, as well as the Burger King Kids Club. <laughs> Hey, John. <laughs> he dips him out of reality. I see him being more friends with Skeeter. <laughs> hey, John. Hey, George. <laughs> yeah, that would be more his speed. I like the contrast of Ratzenberger and, and <laughs> Roger, though. Hey, uh, Roger, I don't know if that's a good idea, uh, setting off those hey, fireworks. Hey, shut up. <laughs> Why don't you go yank your hog, old man? <laughs> yeah, so with... with Ratatouille itself as a whole, this is a film that like every beat is perfect with like the design of Paris. There is literally a scene where uh, Remy walks in on a murder, <laughs> potential murder that turns into a sex scene. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. I wrote that in my notes. What was the quote? You don't have the guts. <laughs> and then there's a gunshot. And then, <laughs> and then you see the two people start making out after. <laughs> well, the one problematic thing that doesn't age well with this movie is Remy, when he's about to be found out, forces Linguini to kiss Colette. That that's pretty bad. As she's pulling as she's pulling uh, Mace pepper spray out Which, of her pocket. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty sure this movie takes place in the late 60s, early 70s, or mid-60s. Uh, did they have pepper spray back then? Uh, fairly certain they did. And, you know, honestly, this movie really could have taken place at any point in time. There's nothing in it that really, like, pins it down. Well, I would, I would say, say from 1960 to 1995 or 96. As soon as cell phones are introduced, that that's when... Does it even say? Well, the only reason why I was thinking the 60s is because uh, Bomb Voyage is in this. And The Incredibles takes place in the 60s. Me so incredible. Uh, Gusto's will is dated to 2004. Well, fuck. So then there's a two-year gap. So movie takes place in 2006. Then Probably about that. Then yeah. why don't they have have you know everyone should have a Motorola razor? Well, it's when would it ever come up in the plot? Just give. Come on, Chris. Give, <laughs> give me this. Uh yeah. So what else did you want to talk about, or should we get into our rating? 
Are we missing anything? I don't think we're missing anything. Uh, I can double check. My I mean, besides here. the fact that uh, like the cooking staff, you have Will Arnett, you have James Ramar, and then you have Phil Lamar, mm-hmm. where you find out that he uh, he fucked the ringmaster's daughter in a traveling circus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, his several backstories. I told you good. the story that the reason why in my hometown they didn't have the carnival anymore is because. Uh, the the son of the carnival owner who worked at the carnival got five girls pregnant when I was in high school, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, we've this is one of the dark tales that we have well, woven. That, every time I hear this story in Ratatouille, that's all I can think of. Or as I called him the yeah, Aladdin of the Carnival. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, you're all my princess Jasmines. <laughs> I can show you Jesus a Christ, world. you're getting Tilt a world. You're getting inches away from sounding like a serial killer. Me? All you have to do is say, like, yeah, change the phrase a little bit so it's like, oh, my jasmines, you all have such pretty mouths. If you add that phrase or something I'm like that, I'm not the it's one who's saying this. Territory. I'm just saying this man or this. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. The man is the one who's saying it. None of this is coming from your imagination <laughs> at all. That's what we called him in high school. We called him the Aladdin of the Carnival. Jesus Christ. So this was like something that several people were in on. <laughs> Chris, when it's five girls who get impregnated by this one guy in a week. Yeah, but I... <laughs> the name the Aladdin of the Carnival is so fucking odd and weird. And the fact that this is like, all right, guys, yeah, we're all in agreement on this one. Well, also, this was the time when they when Disney did the re-release of Aladdin on DVD. So, like, oh, okay, so it was just in it was in the zeitgeist. If, we, if it happened a year him. later, we would have called him the Simba because a Lion King would have been out. <laughs> the Simba of the Carnival. He's the Gaston. If it was two years previous. <laughs> So did this make like news when it happened? I assume uh, it did. Local news. It was it was in um Well yeah. It, it wasn't in like the Boston Herald or the, the Globe, but I'm pretty sure it, it made the lol sun. <laughs> Let's just see here. Lowell Sun Carnival Worker. Two thousand nine? No. It happened again? Oh, okay. Then that's a different. <laughs> Did it happen again, Chris? <laughs> oh, my God. It happened again. The, the... I don't want to read this headline. <laughs> the... Oh, God. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't like that. Don't like that. Tell me off my. There's a lot of Lowell Sun things about carnivals in here. <laughs> 17 year old charged with having a gun at carnival. My God! No, this would have been like two thousand two, two thousand four. Okay, I think it was two thousand two because I'm pretty sure that it got out. The story wasn't really covered because of spotlight at the time. All right, well, this is a mission for a different time. <laughs> this this is a uh, a Scott and Chris mystery for for another day. <laughs> 
That's our next podcast. We become sleuths. (laughs) When Scary met Stabby, and now we have a couple of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Just you and I trying to solve crimes for for a season. That's all we're doing. (laughs) Just our red yarn files. (laughs) <laughs> just Pepe Sylvia <laughs> our way across everything. So yeah. What else did we miss? Uh there's not a lot else. Um the one thing that I did like was when Ego left the restaurant at one point. Or no, it wasn't Ego. Skinner? It was uh, I believe it was Skinner. Left the restaurant at one point. Yeah. And the doors just closed on their own behind him. That will always be a gag that gives me a chuckle. No matter what it's in, like whether it's this or the Blues Brothers with the nun or anything like that, where the doors just close themselves, like that'll always give me a chuckle. <laughs> I mean, w- with this entire movie, you have Brad Bird at the top of his game. Like, in my opinion, this is his best movie. Sorry, Incredibles fans. I mean, you you Same. can give me another anonymous two star review if you want, but. And Brad Bird deserves an Oscar, and that's I think why this. Well, he got it so because much. he was why, producer why on Juno this. Juno is getting he, awards. He did get the Oscar for this and The Incredibles. He was the one who accepted it for animated feature. Well, sure, yeah, he got best animated feature, but that's that's bullshit because basically, for better or worse, Pixar gets that award any, every year they put out a movie, and it's just bullshit. He he happened to make the movie that year, so he got the award. So there's nothing to it. There's no like actual merit to it. The movie that. I feel like he should have been nominated for, but action movies don't really get nominated. He made the best Mission Impossible movie, in my opinion. Haley and I talked about it on the... Which one did he did Ghost do? Protocol. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one yet. So basically, I saw the first two, and then the rest are in my consciousness. <laughs> then I lost I the will to live. Like, which one is next? <laughs> yeah. No, they're like entertaining enough. Like they're they're. Fun I movies. love the Mission Impossible series, but Ghost Protocol is is by far my favorite. But like what he did with with the Dubai, him climbing the side of Air Emirates. God damn. Mm-hmm. God damn. Yeah. Um. What is that? Like the fourth. That's or the, the fourth fifth? one. Fifth. Fifth okay. one's Rogue Nation. But like when you think about it, like. Brad Bird's filmography goes from like doing the Iron Giant to doing one of the most popular Mission Impossible movies, making a film about food that like chefs even say Anthony Bourdain said this is like the most accurate movie about food. But like then he goes to make one of the best Mission Impossible movies and then he tanks with with uh, Tomorrowland, which is a film that I actually like. I like Tomorrowland. I've never seen it. It's not bad. And like, it led to, in a bunch of interviews, it was like the first sci-fi movie that Clooney did that was like campy. And in it, on his press tour, he was apologizing for Batman and Robin. Like, Brad Bird is the one who was like, (laughs) yeah, you you need to apologize to your fans. (laughs) He's like, sorry. Yeah, and apparently next up he is doing an adaptation of a novel about um the San Francisco. That's earthquake. been in the works. Oh, that's been in the works for forever. Yeah, it's apparently like oh, actually finally? happening now. Uh, 
looks yeah it looks like it's potentially going to be a uh, tv series now like i i like the incredibles too but it's a film in my opinion that did not need to exist if i was going to get a sequel to one of his other anime movies give me like a sequel to the iron giant or a sequel to this I would really enjoy an Iron Giant sequel, um, although I think the ship has probably sailed on that, just time-wise, because I think you would need to have the original kid in, and obviously the original kid is probably like 40 yeah, The original now. kid's my age, so 35. Yeah, I mean, I was I was exaggerating. Well, but. you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're exaggerating, but you're pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. He uh, he was an animator on uh, one of, actually, no, my favorite animated Disney movie. Who, Brad Bird? So, not not Pixar. Yeah, not Pixar, but uh, just Disney Great Mouse up. Detective? You got any? No, but you're thinking from the, the right uh, era. Brave Little Toaster? No. Oliver and Company? Toy Story Zero? <laughs> no. No. Good Lord, no. Is it, is it the no, Black Cauldron? Uh, it sure is. <laughs> wow, you're the only one, Chris. You're the only one. Well, if you talk to uh, anyone who's like kind of like tangentially interested in Disney products, that's it's more of a dark horse. It's one that people don't like mm. quite as much. Wow. So, how many bagels? Thirteen. Yep, I'm giving this a full dozen. Thirteen. Too. This is a f- fucking perfect movie. Yeah, it, fucking perfect movie. Everything the fact looks that it lost anything to Juno is a fucking farce. Honest to blog. Please stop looking. What? <laughs> that's that's a line from Juno. Oh, oh, I've been trying to block that out of my memory for the past, uh, I saw it after it came out on video, so probably about 13 years now. So yeah, any any efforts you could make to, to bring it back into my brain, I would appreciate it if you did not make. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying not to like... say your, your ego is prego. <laughs> there, there were a whole spate of movies that my ex made me watch in that time frame that were all just like nothing they were indie quote-unquote comedies that were nothing like it was the equivalent of eating a meal at mcdonald's like you watch it and you're like you're mildly entertained but then you're hungry immediately afterwards so all of the movies that star michael Sarah. uh most of them yeah um, super bad super bad i would throw in yep. there i would absolutely throw um, knocked up little miss sunshine in there not knocked up is well that's First off, it's a horrifying movie on a number of different contexts, but the fact that um, it's 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 an apatow, and those have their own specific stink to them that uh, I do not care for. So, what do you want to promote? We've reached the end of this. What do you want to promote? Uh, got my own podcast that uh, you're going to be on pretty soon mm-hmm. called Old Men Yell at Cloud. You can get that wherever you download podcasts. And... Uh, I'm doing a project this year where I am attempting to listen to an album of music every day. Uh, We're six days into the year so far as of this record, and so far I have not broken it. And I actually got started a little early, but uh, I'm not counting any of the stuff that I did before then. So, yeah, uh, I'm doing that on Instagram, and the account is at albumperday365. So, yeah, give that a follow. You can keep me honest. You can send me suggestions for stuff to listen to, and that's what I'll be doing throughout 2022. Listen to Tiny Tim every day for a year. That is not a challenge. I love Tiny Tim's first album is is just brilliant. Just listen to it over and over again for a year. Then you'll be crazy by the end. 
I'll just be talking to myself in the voices of that song where like the father is telling his son that his mother's in heaven. <laughs> Jesus. Daddy, daddy, where is Mother Day? <laughs> Anyways, I have another podcast called Hell is a Musical. Chris has been on it and he's <laughs> he's coming back soon. Uh, so you can follow that on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Give us five stars or give us two stars on iTunes, but at least leave a review of why you don't like this podcast. Could be that, you know, I get off yeah, topic. Like really, really lay into Scott. Let him know what you think. <laughs> he sounds like a broken man. Two stars. <laughs> Just be as mean as possible so I can talk about yeah, it so good. later. <laughs> to myself as I cry into a pillow and a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Um, so, Chris, thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. It was uh, It's always good to watch this movie, and uh, any excuse to do so, I will happily do. So, until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. Bye.